Welcome to the Martial Mind Power Podcast, where you discover how to cultivate self-mastery towards your self-realization, inspired by martial arts and philosophy. We lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of the holistic experience, right? That um, one can experience one can have one can be submerged in ultimately what would what i'm where i'm going with this is that actually there's there's part of us right that can connect much further much deeper much wider into the infinite space right and ultimately uh, that infinite space right that we connect to can also stimulate our sense receptors if you don't water it, if you don't feed it, and if you don't apply sunshine, and you don't rest it enough, right? It's going to die or it's not going to grow at all. It's just going to stay latent. If you really want, to, want that to uh, flourish and bloom and, and flower, you've got, you've got to, first of all, become aware and recognize that it's in you and then work on it. Welcome everybody to another Martial Mind Power podcast. I'm Jatinda Palaha with Sifu Lakloy, and we're going to be dropping some more wisdom bombs for you today. So Sifu Lakloy, as always, how you been? Very well, thank you. Very well. All is well in, is well. Uh, in my world. How's everything in, uh, in your world? All 50-50, 50-50. <laughs> I think, you know, I think you should call a friend. <laughs> <laughs> My um, my interpretation of the 50-50 is balance. <laughs> ah. Mm. Yeah. Always a smart, smart response, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sifu, let's go to the amazing book, The Art of Thinking Without Thinking. And uh, we do our flicky flick to see what page and topic comes up this week. So um, one second. Do you want to say stop? You do it, man. Stop. You okay. Let's see what we got. Here we go. Oh, uh, page uh, four nine four. Automized relationship. Four nine four. Okay. Atomized relationship. Atomized. Sorry. Atomized. Yes, you're right. <laughs> All right. So atomized relationship is is a picture of a white jigsaw puzzle right with one piece missing and that one piece um is just colored in black okay so mm-hmm. a white jigsaw puzzle that's all put together but one piece is missing and it's just got a black background to that so mm. all right so all right now that you picked it what do i think what do i think what do you think what came to you when you first kind of thought about that Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting. This is what I love about the coins is that, you know, the it's like you said, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what does it come, come up for you? Okay, so when I read that, I had a little feeling in my, my solar plexus. So yeah. that could be my heart linking to relationships possibly, right? Um, and then I thought, at first I thought it said automated, uh, but obviously it's not automated, it was uh, atomized. Um, yeah. So atomized relationships would, 
oh, what's coming? I'm trying not to think, but feel. <laughs> um, I I think it might be something to do with um, kind of smaller elements of relationships and how those are built. Um, with I don't know perception, maybe about how we're looking at little little parts, and we might not know the bigger part to some degree. Yeah. Um, so it's like little bits. Um, when I thought well, it was automated relationship, I thought that was about you know just um, uh, what's the word like auto running on autopilot, just doing things because you've programmed yourself to do those things, right? So that's what I was thinking with that. But uh, yeah, with the I'm I'm a bit yeah interesting one. My brain's going haywire on this one, Lex. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll put you out of your misery, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this, this current atomized relationship is uh, an interesting one. And it's interesting because uh, it really kind of talks to uh, the way we think in general, mm-hmm. right? Especially in particular in the modern world, right? Which is quite, um, you know, we're in the technical age, Right. Uh, and in the technical age, you know, you want to think that you need to remember is uh, technology is now powered by computers, right? Computers operate on reductionist logic, okay? Everything ultimately boils down to a one and a zero. And we've built everything up from a binary one and a zero to, <clears throat> to um, from those bits that represent a one or a zero to bytes, right? That is a collection of bits that represent a character to a collection of characters, which um, which you call a word, and a collection of words, which you call an instruction, okay? <clears throat> and those instructions will then have specific actions that will uh, allow certain processes to take place, okay? And all of this is happening within a CPU, a central processing unit of a computer, right? Uh, it's a bit of computer science for you, right? And luckily, I'm a computer scientist and software engineer, <laughs> right? As well. Anyway, so so this is kind of like the fundamentals, right? Now, the world has in general become very reductionist in the way uh, we look at things in the way that we do things. Even our education system is um, very reductionist uh, in a way because it's um, it's very compartmentalized, very segmented, uh, very regimented. Uh, also, it's an out-of-date system that was designed uh, for a time um, where it was preparing people to um, go into industry to help support the Industrial Revolution at that time. Okay, it wasn't really um, an education system that was built um, and or even designed for a technological uh, revolution and uh, certainly not designed for whatever's going to come after this. Okay, so uh, we've got this very logical, very uh, reductionist approach to things. Right. Now, the one thing. Right. the one thing about taking a reductionist view to things is um, we have a habit, uh, it's in particular in the West, in particular in the West, but, you know, it's kind of um, spread around the globe because technology, I don't really think, has escaped uh, many corners of the world. Um, um, we have a habit now and trained, uh, and it's become an intrinsic part of us to try and break things down to the smallest unit. 
But, you know, the sum is, uh, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Let me just say that again. The whole, the whole is much greater. I'm going to add a much before that. Is much, or let me do this, is much greater, <laughs> right, than the sum of the parts, okay? Now, <clears throat> if that's the case, right, I'm going to give you an example. An example I love to use is, imagine you've got, you know, 5,000 pieces, right, of a, of a Ferrari, right, laid out on a garage workshop floor. Let's just say it's a massive garage, right? Right, a garage workshop floor, right? Let's just say there's 5,000 parts, okay? Right, just, just stick a number on it, right? That means nothing. It's just a bunch of parts that don't do anything that will give you any kind of experience, right? But when you put them all together and you put the car together, right? And now all of a sudden <clears throat> you can, you know, you um, you stick the right, you know, fluids in the car, the right fuel in the car, uh, the right oils to keep the engine, the gearbox lubricated and so on. <clears throat> uh, you stick a battery in it uh, and then you, you know, you sit in the seat, you know, you feel that, you know, sumptuous leather seat cocooning you, you know, you touch that leather steering wheel, right? You take that, you know, grab that with both hands and, you know, you can smell, you know, the the interior, you close that door and you, you know, turn the ignition, the lights come up, maybe there's a little greeting on the dashboard and then you fire that bad boy up, right? <clears throat> a whole new thing's going to happen, right? You're going to start to experience something that 5,000 parts on a, on a garage workshop floor will never give you. Mm. And you haven't even drove it yet, okay? <clears throat> it's just starting it, just looking at the whole put together. And then you've got the driving experience. All of those things are much greater, much, much greater than those 5,000 parts laid out on a garage workshop floor. And that, we haven't even got to the point of actually going anywhere or using that, using that, uh, Ferrari to go and race on a racetrack or to, to go somewhere on some, you know, um, um, amazing undulating and, uh, you know, twisty roads where you can really kind of feel the essence of what that car was designed to do, you know, and really kind of connect with the, the, the mechanics and the car and the road and the environment around you. Right. And how it makes you feel, how it makes your, your passenger feel. Normally there's only two, two seats. Some do have four, but, uh, you know, uh, and they will also experience something. So it's not just you, you might have a passenger with you, right? So two people are experiencing something far greater than 5,000 dead parts that are just sitting on a garage workshop floor, hmm. right? <clears throat> the, the whole is much, much greater than the sum of the parts. <clears throat> now, coming back to our mindset, our mindset is coming back to the nuts and bolts, those 5,000 different parts, yeah, right? So when we think, we try and break things down into uh, smallest unit that we understand, right? Or we think we can logically process, right? But what that happens is, is we lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of the holistic experience, right? That um, one, can one can have, one can mm -hmm. be submerged in, right? And therefore, um, therefore, you miss 
the point. You miss the experience. You miss the big picture, right? You're only seeing a small part of it. That small part is so small, it's actually insignificant, right? To the, to the, to, to the whole, the greater whole, right? Now, an atomized relationship is really talking about that relationship between your perspective on something that's small and atomized to something that's much greater. When I mean much greater, I'm no longer talking about 5,000 parts of a Ferrari laid out on a garage workshop floor. I'm talking about you. You are the Ferrari, right? Not the 5,000 parts that you're made up of, right? And what's happening and what you can experience within that is far greater than you could possibly ever imagine if you allowed yourself to and did the work. Now, where, where am I going with this? Okay, <clears throat> right. Our five, our 5,000 parts are made up of, you know, again, I'm just kind of continuing using that number, right? But obviously, you know, we've got organs and bones and, uh, <clears throat> you know, muscles and sinews and all the rest, right? Uh, and again, I'm not going to go into a bioanatomy class here, but just to make a point, you know, we're made up of, of some material parts, right? That function, right? But uh, essentially, we start having a human experience as a consequence of these parts put together in what we would call our human form, all right? Mm-hmm. Now that human form will allow us to have certain experiences. You know, if I if I eat something, I'll taste the food. If I drink something, I'll taste the the the, the liquid, right? That I'm drinking. <clears throat> if I touch something, I'll feel something. You know, if I if I look, I'll see uh, I'll see what's out there. If there's uh, you know a nice uh, flower and I smell it, you know, I'll get that fragrance. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, if there's music playing, I can hear it. This is all part of the human experience, those senses, right? That are our, our uh, sense, senses that are really working, you know, to help us take in this physical ex- experience. But there's just more than that. It's much more than that. Yet again, it's much, much wider than that. Because this is just things that we are directly exposed to. And all of those things, right? So if I if I drink something or eat something, right, and so I'm tasting it, that sensation of taste, is it happening outside of me or is it happening inside of me? Well, it's happening inside of me. Mm-hmm. If I if I look at a beautiful painting, right, am I experiencing that painting outside of me or am I experiencing it inside of me? Again, it's inside of me. If I hear some wonderful music, you know, some classical music or an opera singer or whatever kind of music you like, is that is that experience happening outside of me or is it happening inside of me? Again, it's happening inside of me, right? If I touch something, you know, uh, <clears throat> um, if I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, touch my watch, for instance, is that experience of touching my watch, you know, happening outside of me or is it happening inside of me? Again, everything is conveyed and relayed to my inner experience, right? <clears throat> Nothing is outside of me. Everything is the translation of the physical world outside interpreted on into my internal world through, through messages that are sent through the sense organs, 
mm-hmm. to my to the inside to my brain that then tra- translates those messages into something that I can comprehend, right? As you know, if I if I eat an apple, it'll be like, oh, this is an apple. You know, it's an apple, and an apple has a specific type of taste. And you could either have a Granny Smith or um, uh, I don't know, name another type of apple. Um- <laughs> Oh, I forgot. I usually get them. I forgot. It's a red something. I can't remember. <laughs> the red apple, yeah. Red right. lady, no. Is it red lady? I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. Red lady. Let's call it red lady, right? <laughs> red lady apple, right? Uh, or you might just be thinking about red lady, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, you have the apple and you got, you got, you could be able, you'll be able to tell the distinct flavor between the two different uh, apples, for instance, right? Um, all of that sensory experience happening inside of you. Um, so if that's what's happening outside of you with the immediate sphere, right, that's, that's you're exposed to, that's stimulating your, um, your sense organs, right, or your sense receptors, should I say, right, that is only as wide as your sense receptors can pick up, right? Mm-hmm. But what if there's more? Well, you know this more, right? Because, you know, if you're in a room, you can probably just sense what's in that room and just barely what's coming in through the windows, yeah? Maybe there's a bit of noise outside. Maybe you'll pick that up, right? But how far can that go, you know? <clears throat> so there's a there's a limit on, on your field of sense perception, okay? But what if, what if you had the ability, right, to sense anything anywhere, hmm. right? What if you had the ability to connect with anything anywhere? What if you had the ability to tap into any information that ever existed? Sounds like Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Some people call it Godfi, right? Mm-hmm. Some people call it ConsciousFi. Some people call it, you know, other things, right? But here's the thing. Ultimately, what would what I'm where I'm going with this is that actually there's there's part of us, right, that can connect much further, much deeper, much wider into the infinite space, right? And ultimately, um, that infinite space, right, that we can connect to can also stimulate our sense receptors. Mm. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you, have you ever had a thought and you thought, well, all the time, man. All the time. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? If you ask a question, right, or you're thinking about something, it's a conscious thought, right? So what was the last conscious thought you had? I can tell you what your last conscious thought was, is the red lady apple. Yeah? Yeah, I know. Because I, I find it, it's actually pink lady apples. <laughs> pink, lady. So, pink lady, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Apple, yeah, right. So that was the last conscious thought, the thought that you consciously wanted to uh, think about and recall the name of that apple, yeah. Uh, but what have you ever had a thought that you didn't actually request? I just think about that for a moment, yeah. I was, I was going to say fact, that you don't think about that for me, <laughs> <clears throat> which is exactly the point, right. <clears throat> The more than half of your thoughts are not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. More than half of your thoughts are thoughts like are 
like a dropping, collective consciousness dropping into you mm. right um through your uh, psychic self mm. every single person every single person is psychic right? i often wonder about that likes because you know you mentioned that and and uh, um like there's been times when i've had like dreams for example i'm lying down in a dream and it's not me it's somebody else or i'm in a different environment to to something and i'm thinking okay have i seen this in the tv the last few days or is this like sashi going on somewhere else in yeah. you know in some other part of the world or something and it's really bizarre because it doesn't make sense because it's like why would i be in somebody else's body or something right it's just it's weird and i wake up and i'm thinking did my brain just make that up or did i tap into something which yeah. is similar to that because it's like radio waves just going on all around us right yeah. so it's interesting you say that no I, I, and that's that's precisely the point right mm. now um you know for the for the listeners and viewers have you ever had deja vu mm. right now you didn't consciously conjure that up right but what you did do when it happens for real is remember that you already lived that experience you mm-hmm. literally feel like you've lived that experience and most people say i've been here before yeah right i've done this before oh shit it's deja vu but Lex, have you ever been in a situation where where you've had a deja vu and you've actually predicted what's going to happen and it's happened That happened with me once. Yeah, I remember. I came out of my tra- train with my friends. Yeah, we talking about deja vu. We got outside. Yeah, and um, literally had a deja vu. And I said to my friend, "Man, it feels like I've done this before. It's weird. It's like your your dad's car's gonna come from that side and he's gonna pick it up. Uh, he's gonna pick you up. And literally, his dad comes from that side in the car to pick him up. And he just looked at me like, "What the hell just happened?" I said, "Do not ask me, bro. I have no idea what happened. This is just weird. I just said what was. <clears throat> do you know what I mean? And it's like." That has wow, are we? Is that something to do with getting really present to the situation? Is it like you said, you're picking up on thoughts? It's, it's really yeah. interesting. You know that has happened to me. Yes, mm. now that I, I'm glad you shared your story because uh, it kind of really kind of triggered um, a certain part of a deja vu where you have the the dream. Let's call it the dream, mm. right? Or dream state thought which you're not thinking is just kind of happening is given mm-hmm. to you you're in it you're living it and when you're there you know the the moment's almost gone and you're like in that you know what's how going to happen next mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily live that part of it mm-hmm. and then it happens for real and you live in it and then you've you know intrinsically in your intuition in your gut that that's going to happen just like you said mm-hmm. like your dad's car's going to come here in a moment around the corner and it comes right and you think mm. and your friend was like wow how you know how did you know yeah. we all have that ability mm-hmm. right uh, and and sometimes you know when you have experiences like a deja vu it's the greater whole experience mm. that you're experiencing right involuntarily is given to you as a gift to remind you of your greatness mm. that is a mind blowing fact yeah right that everyone at some point has had something like this mm-hmm. and there are some people that can do this all the time yeah. right right then you know these are the people that are actually have the gift to help other people with their psychic abilities because the psychic ability is so strong 
mm. right? Um, and then uh, then you've got um, you know different aspects of um, uh, you know more advanced layers of work where you can become like a clairvoyant or you could be a medium and so on. These are kind of more uh, kind of advanced uh, aspects of this, but uh, you know, not everyone can be a medium. Not everyone can be a clairvoyant. Yeah. But everybody's psychic hundred percent. How do I know this? Cause my mediumship teacher told me this, mm-hmm. right. For some, for uh, those of you that don't know, I'm a, I'm a trained medium. Right. And constantly practicing, uh, you know, uh, I don't, you know, do mediumship work um, uh, on a commercial basis or um, really do much of it for other people at all. I do it for myself to connect with my spirit guides mm. just for the record. Okay. Yeah. Why? And here's the thing on that though, Lex, is that you, you might have some listeners that think, okay, well, there must be some sort of explanation and whatnot. There might be scientists behind this or what, all this kind of thing. And it may well be the case, right? But the, the thing is, it happens. Like there's so many people that you interact with that have these experiences and not everybody can explain them. Some people can explain them, but these things happen. So if yeah. they're happening, it can't be made up. It can't, they, you know, I admit there'd be situations where people do it deliberately. And there's like all this, the kind of darker side where people use it for manipulation and whatnot. Yeah. But the thing is there are elements of it where it does actually happen. And yeah. I'm sure like the listeners would have somebody they know of or heard about where that yeah. situation scenarios occurred, right? Yeah. So it's, a, it's one of those things which you think you can't just dismiss it because so many people have experienced it. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and, and just, just to kind of uh, uh, continue from the, hmm. the, the medium aspect to things, uh, one, of the, one of my biggest learnings there was that um, we all have spirit guides, and, you know, I mentioned like, you know, more than half of your thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, the reason for that is because um, you have spirit guides that are guiding you. So they're implanting thoughts and they're communicating with you constantly through thoughts. Right. So when you get a thought hit you. Right. I call it a, a divine download, whether it's through a spirit guide or through uh, uh, even a higher state consciousness. Right. When that thought hits you, um, if you're. If you're in, uh, if you have an atomized relationship with the world, you're gonna ignore it. Mm. Why? Because you can't rationalize it. Okay. All of a sudden now, you prefer to live right the nuts and bolts in life, right, rather than the greater whole, because you've just shunned it away. Yeah. And therefore, you're not gonna be able to live a holistic lifestyle. You're not gonna be able to live holistically at all because you're denying yourself this greater part of you. Mm-hmm. This greater part of you is so big, it's infinite. It is the universe. The, you know, you've heard of the saying that, you know, um, uh, I am in the universe and the universe is in me mm-hmm. and we are one, right? Um, and it's true, but you'll, want, you'll never experience it if you don't do the work. And that's... And- no, absolutely. And the, the other thing I was just going to say was that what, what's interesting is that if you if you look at if you look at kids, right? Kids are they they're not in a conditioned state in any way, right? As they go through stuff and as they get older, 
they are then trained with society on how to behave or what things mean and whatnot. So if they've had an experience of something and they share it, most of the time adults are like, I just kids, just kids' imagination. And that becomes their norm. So then what happens as they grow older, they start to filter these things out and just become a normalized adult, right? And that's what happens most of the time from what I'm sure from what the experience we've had with people and connecting with talking to people and whatnot is that's what seems to be happening. There's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Right. But just as a general route and that conditioned state of mind is what like you're alluding to there is because you start to compartmentalize to say, no, it must be this logic, this, that, the other, these things can't exist. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I think it's then, then you're, like you said, you're just blocking out, something you already had in here as a kid you were already tapping into that that's right. you know that curiosity that imagination that all these kind of things do actually and can be these things that we're talking about spirit guides you know connections things we're hearing but as kids we're just more attuned to it but yeah. it just gets away in imagination in, in the adult's imagination that's right 100 right. percent. Mm. <laughs> and in fact you know, uh, you use the word, you know, normalization or normalized, right? Through environmental conditioning, uh, through training and teaching, through parenting, through school and what mm. have you, right? You know, all the different environments and uh, uh, kind of um, uh, trainings and teaching uh, processes that you're, uh, you're subjected to. Um, it's, while, we were, while you mentioned normalized, the word that hit me was, or normalization, the word that hit me was this is abnormalization. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's complete abnormalization because what's happening is, in fact, it's almost like you're chopping limbs off and you're becoming less and less and less. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm. And this is one of those situations where uh, where less is not more. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Right? Uh, In fact, uh, you know, you're born with all the resources you need right from the beginning, right? And there's an amazing study that was done. And again, this is just, just around how environmental conditioning or conditioning through, and this, this specific example is conditioning through school, how it affects, mm. uh, affects children. Um, and I can't remember the exact uh, reference to this study, but I do remember the study in my mind vividly, right? That there was a study that was done uh, with children and they took the children, I think it was from the age of about five, right? And they did uh, did some tests uh, like uh, IQ type tests with these children. And um, they the tests were kind of like, determine the uh, level of genius genius in the in the children uh, of the and again I don't remember the the size of the study in other words how many uh, children um, uh, were part of this study uh, uh, but it was an official uh, scientific study that was done right mm-hmm. out of those out of the students, out of the children that were assessed were of uh, traits of genius, what percentage of five-year-olds do you think had genius in them? Uh, well, I know I would say hundred percent. I think them, but... I think actually it was I think it was six because right. that's when not school right six right so mm-hmm. uh, from the age of six so how, so so what do you say how, what do you think? Well, I w- I would say just as a just from the studies we've done that hundred percent of them are geniuses. 
100 percent right. yeah. right. genius right mm-hmm. uh, and then they did a study i think it was uh three years later right so when they were about nine mm-hmm. what percentage of uh students had genius in them oh um that's interesting maybe maybe drop down to 50 maybe 50 percent wasn't that bad but it mm-hmm. was 80 80 80%, yeah right and then they did 80 percent were geniuses 80 percent still had traits of still, genius. okay got it. okay okay right? yeah so let's say that's nine uh what about at the age of 12 now maybe 50 <laughs> all right so <laughs> now it dropped down to 60 right oh right 15 what about 15 no, if we're going on that 40. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. they found was, what wow. they, yeah, exactly, you're right. What they found was uh, every three years um, or something uh, to that extent, um, they found that 20% of their genius traits dropped. By the wow. time they left school, all genius had been freaking squeezed out of them. Wow. Right? right? That's insane. So you think about that, right? Mm-hmm. So by the, by 18, 20%, right? If that, if that, right? Uh, or, and it's a shocking study. And maybe, like I said, those, the, in terms of the age, the age groups and the, the window, maybe it was two years and around three years. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't remember their study exactly, but uh, I'll, I'll look it up and uh, we can post it uh, with this um, podcast uh, mm-hmm. for reference. But is it just went to show that you know the the system is taking out the um, the ability to cultivate and build on that genius that every kid's born with, mm-hmm. right? So we're becoming less, mm-hmm. we're becoming less of ourselves, and that's a real shame. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why you know some of the some of the you know um, schools for younger age groups. Um, build on the kids' strengths, like Montessori schools, where the kids are allowed to do what they want and gravitate to the things that they like the most yeah. because that's what they'll, they'll excel in. So they're allowed to build, build up the, um, their own faculties uh, and their interests uh, based on their own gravitation, gravitational pull towards those things, right? Mm. Um, and uh, it's funny, I, I, was, I was watching a, a video on Elon Musk and uh, him schooling his kids. Mm. And he was saying that he set up uh, a little school for for his children and plus some of their his their his kids friends mm-hmm. he said uh, there's no curriculum mm-hmm. uh, there's no tests and the kids are allowed to uh, do what they want and uh, develop the, the interests uh, in the areas that they're attracted to or they're mm-hmm. drawn towards which I think really is ultimately you know mm-hmm. where, how you cultivate genius is yep. by by um, allowing the thing that you're born with and festering within you to help that grow. I mean, you've got this seed inside you, right? You've got this seed inside you, the seed of brilliance that you need to, uh, you know, um, uh, if you don't water it, if you don't feed it, and if you don't apply sunshine and you don't rest it enough, right? It's going to die or it's not going to grow at all. It's just going to stay latent. Mm-hmm. Right. If you really want to want that to uh, flourish and bloom and, and flower, you've got you've got to 
first of all, become aware and recognize that it's in you and then work on it. You know, people say, you know, um, you know, some people are born with a, with a, a talent, but that talent is something that you have to cultivate over you time. Cultivate. Right? Yeah. Uh, and some people recognize there's something inside them and they might start off with zero talent in that thing, but because that's what they were designed to do in this lifetime, they can cultivate that talent and become excellent very, very quickly with, mm-hmm. with even a small amount of effort. And in some cases, a lot of effort, but that's what's meant to be. So it's really important that you, you know, you kind of become aware of what that, uh, what that, what that seed that's latent inside you is, is so you can kind of focus and put some attention and nurture that. So it, it does start to uh, uh, sprout and uh, bloom and then flourish eventually, you know, um, so that you can eventually, um, you know, sh- when you become ripe, you can share that wisdom with the world. In, you know, that's ultimately where it's, where you're going with it. Why? Why do you use to share that wisdom with the world? So that you can help somebody else recognize they have a seed with inside themselves, which also needs nurturing. That's right. right? That, this is what it's about. It's not about numbing down and dumbing down that seed so that that seed never grows. When I'm referring to the seed, again, just a reminder, if you're you know, uh, listening to this podcast midstream um, or watching this podcast midstream, this is about your core essential being right? Yeah. The seed of your core essential being, right? I'm not talking about any other type of seed here, right? Mm-hmm. For you uh, dirty mind people out there, <laughs> 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 right? But you get the idea, right? So atomized relationship is about that. But ultimately, yeah. ultimately... Black, sorry, the- a, a story comes to mind there because um, it's quite relevant to what you just said about sharing. Um, I came across a story once about... I can't remember exactly where, but it was it was a it was an example given about how there's like darkness everywhere, right? And you hold up, you open, you, there's lots of people around you. It's darkness. Everybody's bumping into each other, yeah. and you got one person who lights a candle, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's a bit of light, and everybody can kind of see what's going on. Yeah. And then the person goes around and giving the light to everybody else, so everybody has their own light. And as that light starts to grow, you see more and more and more of what's going on around you. Right. right. Um, and that, that's something you can actually visualize in your own mind as well. Just just imagining that a light gets brighter and as it gets brighter, you see more and more. Right. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that in because it's quite relevant to what you just said there. And this is this is what a, a guru does. Right. A guru is, um, you know, uh, is a, a dispeller of the darkness. Mm. Yeah. That's ultimately what that it translates to there's more depth to that but we won't mm. go into that right way right but a guru is ultimately a dispeller of the darkness why a guru who already has the light their candle is already um is already um um you know glowing bright and they use their candle to light other people's candles because everyone's got a candle let's just say everyone's got a candle right and this candle is is infinite Right. As Bruce Lee said, you know, I, you know, uh, I, I am the fuel. Yeah. I have the fuel within me. Right. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the, uh, the exact quote. Um, 
And I'm gonna look it up just to uh, just to uh, be hundred percent on this one. No problem, no problem. Yeah, so while while you're looking for that laxament, this whole topic just reminds me of um, that scene in Enter the Dragon, where um, the student comes up to Bruce Lee and says, um, "Yeah, I think it's the training session, uh, about to start training session." And Bruce says, "Kick me," and the student goes to kick him, and then Bruce is like. Hits him around the head. What was that? <laughs> right? <laughs> and he said, "Kick me!" And then the, the student tries it again, and um, he said, "Yeah, you know, you put some emotional content in that, you know." And yeah. the student tries again and, and gets it right. And Bruce is like, "Good, good." And he and he then he points towards the moon, right? And he says, "It's like a finger pointing away to the moon. If you look at the finger, you miss all the heavenly glory." Right. Yeah, so absolutely. what you're sharing there is that, isn't it? The 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 autonomous parts are like the finger. And if you just keep looking at a thing, you're missing everything else that builds up that atomized. whole story. Atomized. Atomized. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, digital marketer keeps thinking automation. <laughs> All right. I've looked up the quote. All right. I just wanted to, uh, you know, state the quote verbatim because I, I remember uh, the bits that are specific for the uh, essential teaching uh, that I'm trying to share, but I wanted to kind of share the whole quote uh, and it's a bit of a longer one, right? So it says, uh, this is a Bruce Lee quote. He says, the medicine for my suffering I had within me from the very beginning, but I did not take it. My My ailment came from within myself, but I did not observe it until this moment. Now I see I will never find the light unless like a candle, I am my own fuel. Yeah. So here's the thing, like a candle, I am my own fuel. When you say something like I am my own fuel, therefore that candle never runs out. And that's probably some of you thinking, well, you know, candle eventually runs out wax and that's it. You're you're done, right? (laughs) Well, no, you are your own fuel. Okay. So when, when a guru lights your candle, right, that's it. You then have like an Olympic torch, right? The responsibility to keep that torch lit for eternity, right? Mm-hmm. Right? For the rest of your existence. Because guess what? That candle never went out in the first place. You just forgot it was there. Yeah. And actually, you know, this takes us on to the, the, the final part of this teaching, which is really um, once your light has been lit, then there is uh, an ethereal experience that you can you can um, you can tap into and mm-hmm. start to uh, envelope and submerge yourself within, and that is this uh, uh, Sanskrit idea or Sanskrit word called Sat Chitananda, right? Mm-hmm. Sat Sat means true or brilliance, okay? Jitta means consciousness, and ananda means bliss, right? Mm -hmm. So you can refer to this as true consciousness bliss or brilliance consciousness bliss, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I just want to kind of draw um, uh, and I can give you a bit of a reference to what satyatananda, right, relates to. Now, you know that time, like, you know, you're happy, and you're, you know, all gleeful and so on. But then that happiness just goes piff, puff, puff and disappears and you're unhappy, right? Well, happiness, you can switch it on, you can switch it off, all right? 
right? This is the problem with happiness, right? Is happiness is a state. You listen to a happy song, you get happy. You listen to a sad song, you get sad, right? Simple. It's, a, it's an on-off switch. You have to decide whether you want to be happy or sad. Sometimes mm-hmm. you choose to be pissed off, right? That's your choice. Sometimes you get out of bed and you're not in a good mood, right? But it's your choice to stay there or you can decide, no, you know what? Fuck this, right? I'm going to put on some good music. Uh, I'm going to uh, put on my favorite uh, top or my favorite jacket. And, you know, I'm going to put my, reframe my, uh, my mood uh, into a good mood, right? I'm going to change it. I'm going to decide to change it. I'm not going to let anyone bother that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so happiness, let's just, you know, park that on one side to say, look, you, you are, you can decide you are the captain of the happiness ship. Is it on or off, right? You decide what you want to do with that. Then you've got joy, right? Right. Joy is not happiness, right? Joy is above happiness, right? And mm-hmm. this is a, an intrinsic state, right? Right. It's an intrinsic state where your every cell of your body feels elevated. Right, not because you put on some happy music or you or you listen to some sad music, or you're happy or sad, but this is you're in a state of joy. Whether you listen to a sad song or you got some bad news, there is an inner sense of personal well-being, personal harmony, right? A personal homeostasis, a personal you know a level of balance. As you said right at the beginning, you know, and I, when I asked you, you know, how, how are you doing today? How's, how's, mm-hmm. how, are you, how is everything in your world? And you said 50-50, <laughs> right? This is where you're 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm bringing, uh, you know, Jedi JT's, you know, 50-50, <laughs> right? Um, so that's joy. I enjoy this. It's not elation where elation can become deflation, right? Um it's the middle line, the middle path. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. joy is. Too high. You're not too low. You just rate straight down the middle. Right. Uh, and n- unwavering. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Satchitananda. Satchitananda is now you are merged with the cosmos, with the universe, and you are now connected to everything. When you see something uh, that is potentially uh, saddening or mm-hmm. um, traumatizing, right? You see the God in it. Whether you mm-hmm. see something happy and celebratory uh, that's happening, you see the God in it, right? You see the light in it. You see the light in everything. Satsananda, mm-hmm. right? True consciousness bliss is when you are completely connected with consciousness and you see the divine perfection in everything that's happening. And some people Mm -hmm. will say, well, you know, what about this atrocity? You know, how can that, how can you see that? Well, there's a divine uh, perfection with that. Mm -hmm. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it isn't so, because otherwise, why would it happen? Right? Mm -hmm. Or you, you, you can question consciousness if you want, but the only way to truly question consciousness is to connect with consciousness and be one with it, and then you'll understand. But without doing that, it's an atomized relationship with that. Mm-hmm. You will never understand it because you're only nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. Again, I mean, a good, good way to kind of think about that also is um, 
it's like they say, you know, um, the, one of the analogies is a magnet. You can't have a one-sided magnet, right? It's It's got a positive and a negative. And that positive and negative is broken down to atoms, neutrons, protons. Everything has a positive and a negative, which means it's built into the very essence of this whole material world. You have to have construction and destruction side by side to make up the whole universe. It's part of the plan, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> you know? You see the, the the magic about magnet, right? You got positive and negative pole, right? That's atomized relationship, right? Mm. What people miss is, is the magnetic field. Mm. Yeah. There's a magnetic field that surrounds the magnet. That's it. Right? Now, what happens when you put two magnets close to each other? Right? The magnetic fields start to interfere with one another, mm. either in a positive way or a destructive way, right? Right? Should I say, let me rephrase that in a constructive way or a destructive way. Okay. Right. <clears throat> um, uh, and you could call it in a positive way or a negative way. Right. Um, uh, in a, an attracting way or a repulsive way. Okay. Um, and you can use um, uh, magnetic induction to propel things. Right. Uh, so you, they are, you know, like you've got the Shenzhen trains in Japan, for instance. Right. These are magnetic levitating uh, trains that levitate on these magnetic tracks. So there's no contact, no physical contact with any wheels or anything. They literally levitate. Right. Because they, they, we're using the magnetic field to repel. Right. To lift the train off the tracks so there's zero friction yeah mm. all right mm. on the on the actual uh, train lines with the train yeah uh so if you think about that coming back to the magnet right atomized relationship would be saying oh it's got a positive side it's got a negative side right right and it's a block of me metal block of iron right that's uh, been magnetized uh, and all the the ions, uh, the sorry, the electrons, and uh, are facing in a certain direction to create the magnetic forces. But there's a field around that that's much greater. You take that field and you put it in in the in the sphere of another magnet with a, its own magnetic field. Now something even bigger starts to happen. Now, if you take that and you and you do that with uh, seven billion magnets. Yeah, seven billion magnets. Just imagine what kind of magnetic field interaction you've got going on there, mm. right? And I'm talking about people now, if you didn't yeah. figure the seven billion out, right? <laughs> right? right? Just imagine what's happening. And then those seven billion magnets are sitting on an even bigger magnet. Mm. Mother Earth. That's right. And that magnet is sitting... And orbiting right around another magnet that's also got all the more other magnets that are also orbiting around or other exactly. around the sun, right? And that whole magnetic kind of structure with independent little planets and moons and so on is in our solar system, is in a galaxy that is much bigger, that's got a whole bunch of other things going on. And Which are also like, rotating around something that seems to be in the middle. Because if you look at this, you see a spiral effect, right? Exactly. Which indicates right. there's something in the middle as well. <laughs> exactly. So you got the, you know, the 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 galaxy, the Milky Way, the universe. Then you got metaverses. I mean, 
when we talk about atomized relationship, right? Right. If you only look at the magnet, you're going to miss the universe, mm-hmm. right? A collection of every single magnet ever was, ever will be, right? And how you play a part in that. That's and because right. you are a magnet within a an infinite number of magnets, guess what? You can connect to any single magnet you want. Why? Because you always had uh, the power to do that. Your magnetic field can connect to any other magnetic field you want. You can mm. tune into it. So that's what atomized relationships all about. Um, and I hope that gives you some food for thought, right? And also, more importantly, some food for thoughtlessness. <laughs> all right. So um, before I read the actual koan, did you want to add anything else to that? I just I just want to say there's a there's a quote that comes to mind um, from Gurbani, which is Seek Scriptures. Um, and it says, Man to Jyoti apna mool pashan. So that's basically saying, of oh, mind, you are the embodiment of the divine light, recognize your roots. Right? So the word jyot means light. So you got light within you. It's Part is the embodiment of all the other light. Recognize what you are. Amazing. That's amazing. Wow. And I think that was, I think that was, um, if uh, um, um, Guru Amar Dasji who said that. Wow. I believe. That, that, that's, be wrong, a, that's, a, that's, that's the wisdom. That's a wisdom bomb right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's a, that's a mind blown wisdom bomb. I mean, the thing is, is that. The beauty in what you just shared there, Jatin, thank you so much for, for sharing that, is um, that all of this knowledge, all of this wisdom has always been around. Exactly. It's with us right now. But um, if we don't make the effort to seek it, we're not going to find it. Mm. Right? <clears throat> uh, and we'll never know. We'll be none the wiser. Uh, and if this inspires you, Right. If this uh, inspires you, more importantly, uh, empowers you to take positive action towards, uh, you know, finding your jyot, jyot being the light. Right. We've already been talking about candles and lighting other people's candles. Right. Right. Um, you'll you'll realize that this knowledge, this wisdom, is universal. Hmm. We're not, you know, segmenting. This is, you know. Uh, a teaching from here, there, and everywhere. This is universal wisdom. This affects all of us, you know, our one family here, you know? <laughs> exactly. 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 If it's, it's like you said, if it's a divine light, that means it's everything. So you, we can't be segmenting it. There is no segmentation. There is no segmentation. <laughs> hence, hence, there's no atomization. You cannot atomize it. So that Boom. takes. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> all right atomized relationship right so this is uh i'm going to read the uh the koan right from the book it's on uh page 494 right 493 and 494 it says meditation is a process of becoming still so you can start listening to existence and meditation is not so much your purpose but the purpose of existence through you and that is when you take inspired action not ambitious action Ambition destroys the world. I'm going to repeat that one. Ambition destroys the world. 
Vision and inspiration are not the products of thought. This is something subtler. This is an event in your consciousness. And for that to happen, you have to have the capacity to see it. If you use a reductionist, atomized way of thinking and look really hard, you will never see it. Meditation takes you to the source of thought. And you can start to see what it is without any perversion from the not-self. And only then can you start to have experiences and visions of Sat Chitananda. Sat meaning brilliance, Chit meaning consciousness, Ananda meaning bliss. Hmm. Brilliance, consciousness, bliss, or true consciousness, bliss. And take inspired action through which your natural purpose will surface and it will uplift you and anybody it touches. Okay. There you have it, guys. Uplift you and anybody it touches. Share the light. Share the light. Exactly. Share the light, man. Share the light. So this is going to come full circle on this one. Mm. Um, So, yeah. I hope that's that's been an enlightening one for you guys. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, hope... It's resonated uh, with uh, with with you in some way, shape, or form. Um, uh, connected with you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, maybe you see uh, something uh, here that you know is aligned with your vision and uh, where you're going. Um, and then just go and do the work, man. You know, go 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 out there and get busy. Um, not being busy. absolutely absolutely wow there you go folks that's been another another wisdom bomb from the amazing book the art of thinking without thinking which you can get hold of on amazon or just go over to marshallmindpower.com and um i think that's myself and sifu lakloy signing out for this week thank Thank you very much folks and see you on the next one If you took some value out of this podcast, then please like and subscribe to our channel. If you feel this podcast will help a loved one, then please kindly spread this wisdom by sharing this podcast link with them. For more information and learning materials on how to cultivate self-mastery towards your self-realization inspired by martial arts and philosophy, please go to www.martialmindpower.com. See you in the next podcast.